and welcome to the Alternative Book Club podcast, the online spin-off from the Literary Comedy Night. I'm your host, Shirley Hulse, and this is a very special episode. It's a bit different from usual because we will be interviewing an actual author and finding out all about their book. This episode, I'm delighted to introduce the brilliant musical performer, improviser and author. It's Pippa Evans. Hello, Pippa. Oh, hello. Hi, it's me, Pippa Evans. How are you? Um, I'm really well, actually. I've just walked through the rain in um, my new hometown of Edinburgh to to have a donut with a friend in this fancy new place that does fancy donuts and it lived up to the hype uh, and and then I left a voice note for my little niece because it's her birthday and she asked if and I, I but I was in a tunnel because I needed to be out of the rain and so it was echoey so I said I'm in a tunnel and then she said are you in a tunnel because you're a goblin <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that was really funny <laughs> I think that the things that kids come out with are just beautiful probably more random than the things that people come out with in doing improv oh yeah I mean essentially improv is trying to get back to the state of being a child um the fact I did a workshop with the brilliant um Susan Messing and Rachel Mason uh, a couple of weeks back and um they said can I do swears on this podcast yeah for sure great just checking you never know they said uh Play with the abandon of ch- of children, but with all the bullshit you learn as an adult. Uh, and I thought that was really good, the idea that actually all you're doing when improvising is trying to get back to that childish, t- childlike play and whilst using all the great information and things that you've, you've learned in adulthood. That is a really great kind of description of that coming together and also kind of interesting to compare it to Clown. But maybe I'll ask you about that in a bit. I want to ask you about the book first. So the book you've written is called Improv Your Life, an improviser's guide to embracing whatever life throws at you. Can you tell us a bit about it in general? A bit about my book, sure. Um, so, well, it's, in fact, it's one year old this week, this very week that we're recording. So it's really quite amazing that you got in touch uh, because it's perfect timing to be go, oh, wow, it's been out for a year and I wonder who's enjoyed it. Um, it basically came about from a few things. One is I love to improvise and I'm in a show called Showstopper the Improvised Musical and I guest with the Comedy Store Players and have done various million thousand improv shows over my so far career. Um, but I'm also really interested in how we live and how we get the most out of life. Uh, and so I created this thing called the Sunday Assembly with my friend Sanderson Jones back in 2013, which was basically an alternative to church bit of a handbrake turn from other things that I'd done at that point but what it really was for me was a place to explore again how are we um, engaging with the world how are we engaging with each other because Mm -hmm. I found that a lot of self-help slash life-affirming work is very much about you as an individual and yet then you have to go back out and be in relationship with others Mm -hmm. and so what improvisation is really about is about is is literally about that it's about being bringing your full self and being in relationship with the other people there you can't ignore what other people are bringing and that's where often a lot of tension comes uh, and anxiety comes from is not quite knowing how to navigate that clash you know it doesn't have to be a clash but it can sometimes feel like a clash so yeah how do we be our full selves and uh, accept other people as their full selves surely that can't be possible um, and that's why I love improvisation because so for example in Showstopper the improvised musical there are moments where we have to support the show we have to someone's doing a big solo 
And in that moment, we have to, we, the rest of the company, are completely benevolent to that person and bring them up and make them look amazing. And then in the next scene, we might suddenly be, I don't know, the king of Russia, or I don't know, whatever it is. <laughs> so you're switching constantly from being the tiny tree to being the, prota- the main protagonist, the big star. And your ego has to be able to deal with that difference of attention, that difference of respect, if it were like, what's the, ex- you know, what things that come from the external. So, um, so my book's really kind of about all of those things. <laughs> <laughs> it's about being able to notice what people are giving us, to notice what offers we're making to the world and um, yeah, how we're interacting with the world around us. That's brilliant. You're right. You talk about self-help and I've read some self-help in the past and it's not been hugely helpful, but genuinely in this book, I've been noting things down uh, about how to do things in my own life. And I'm thinking a lot about the things that you say about fear, especially after this, after the pandemic. This is, again, like a perfect time because we're kind of learning how to be in public again with other people. And like you say, where our ego stands in that. Do you have any improv tips from the book that you think will help us get out of the pandemic and not be scared of other people anymore? Um. I, th- I think really um, the biggest tip is just get out there and do it. I mean, that's such a, you know, an obvious, well, I mean, that's it, isn't it? I talk, I talk a lot about being obvious because a lot of the time we're trying, we're like, oh, I don't know how to do this. So, well, what's the most obvious thing to do? Do it. But we're so sort of, we're so kind of trained against doing what's obvious because it's not original, it's not exciting. But actually, if you go, oh, I'm really struggling to go to the pub and sit with people go to the pub and sit with people for like 10 minutes. Like go go and be in a place where there's more people for like one minute. Go swimming where you have to be in the changing room. You don't have to talk to anyone. You're just going to be in a changing room. There's going to be some people's bums. Like you're just going to experience a bit of life. And then you can go home again, you know. So all of these things, I think it's really important to think about them as little changes. Because again, I think we're like, Oh, the pandemic's finished. I mean, inverted commas. Uh, is it? I don't know. Uh, will it ever be finished? Oh, let's not go down there. Uh, but it, it's, um, you know, it's a finish. We've got to get back to normal, do everything. We've had like two years of being in a box. You know, mm. you're not going to come out of that box like, surprise, nothing's <laughs> changed. Um, so, so rather it's like kind of get out of the box slowly, see what's happening, take your time. Um, yeah, so, so do, do, do go exploring push yourself a little bit each time and um, do what feels the most obvious thing to do for you. There is a counter uh, act to that, which is sometimes we think the most obvious thing to do is to stay hiding. Um, So just check in. Is that really the most obvious thing to do? Is that the safest thing to do? Mm. So sometimes we let safety stop us from exploring. Yeah. On this very topic, there was something that I noted down that was you don't have to be the funniest or the quickest or the smartest person doing something because I feel like now we've spent two years on the internet and everything seems perfect we're like oh well I better not try because I'm just not going to be good enough but actually just being there and taking part then well done you're already part of it I thought that really struck me as very useful yeah I think that's really I think it's really important and one lesson I took a long time for me to learn was not to be things don't have to be perfect and also you don't have to have the full idea the full answer like um a really great improv quote that I read in Max Dickens book is um bring a bring a brick not the cathedral um Mm. you know and it's a it's a a long time saying but um 
I really, I'd for, kind of forgotten it and read it in his book and was like, oh yeah, that's such a great saying. Just bring a bit of yourself, bring a bit of the idea. You know, so many people don't even get to the beginning of something. Just the fact that you've made this podcast, there's so many people in their heads going, oh, I think I could do a podcast. And then we tell ourselves a million reasons why not to do it. And some of those will be legitimate reasons, but a lot of them will be, well, I'm not very good at microphones or I don't know how to press the buttons or whatever it is. And um, rather than, I'm, you know, all this, all this Joe Rogan stuff that's been going on, what I loved about it as a sort of thing to watch was, wow, this guy has got to a point where a platform is paying him $100 million. But if you watch his first early podcasts, he's rubbish. <laughs> he doesn't know what he's doing, right? Um, so there's a really good example of someone who just went, I don't know, I'll just press his button, press record. Now, maybe he's got to a place where he's like, oh my God, how did I get here? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm simply talking about the act of showing up and going, here's some stuff. Anyone interested? Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely agree with that. It took me ages to go, oh, I really should do a podcast or should do something with this, especially in the pandemic when you couldn't do any sort of performing. And then and then you're like, oh, what if it sounds crap? And then actually doing it and putting the first thing out, even though it is crap and scary, is part of it. And I have to say, I went on your course in 2016 and that's been a big part of me doing all of the things I do including the podcast now so I also want to recommend from like a very uh biased point of view that <laughs> read the book and also go and do the courses presumably you're still running the courses thanks Shirley uh, yes <laughs> uh, no, I, I run them online I'm doing one in March which anyone is welcome to come along to just go to pipperevans.com slash improv your life and you'll find it all there. And yeah, I love and I love teaching workshops. So I do I do go into places like I came into your work, didn't I, that mm. time as well, and taught people teach people. And um I really recommend doing an improv course, even if you don't do my improv course. There's so many improv courses out there. I just think it's one of the best things you can possibly, possibly learn because it is a playful way of learning about failure, about trusting your ideas, about working as a team, about fighting with your ego and your um crushing voice in your head that I call the eagle of despair like what that those voices that those little voices in your head who are you listening to what are you listening to and even when you said Shirley just then I should you were feeling like I should do a podcast even that language is like there's a moment where we have to go okay so do I want to make a podcast because I feel like I should or because I'm like actually I've really got something to say and I really want to say it because I feel like if that's the slight tiny difference, so it feels like you really went, oh, no, I've really got something I want to do, I want to talk about, I want to play with. Um, sometimes we make projects, and I'm talking completely from my own experience here, we make things that we're like, oh, I've, I should do this, I should do that. Um, and then no one's interested because almost they can feel this is a very mm. cynical piece. There's something not kind of pure about it uh, and then you get really disheartened because nobody's interested in the thing that you didn't really want to do anyway <laughs> yeah I guess it's kind of a bit self-fulfilling and maybe is another way of guiding you to what is right you say another part in the book that is um about auditions and you should you should thank people who don't give you the part because mm. you don't want to be working with people who don't think you're right for the part and that it just makes so much sense but when you're on the other side of it or when you go through school you think oh I've got to achieve all of this stuff I've got to be right for everything you just can't be everything 
I mean, it's such a simple thing to say out loud, isn't it, Shelley? You can't be everything. But there's so much wisdom in that. <laughs> but we kind of kind of taught that we should be. Or well, And also, the other thing is, um, we're so geared towards the commercial, you know, in mm. terms of, so, you know, and I'm talking completely from a performer's point of view here. Um, and, but, but maybe if you're not a performer and you're listening to this, from the point of success looks a certain way. So mm. then to re- to shift what you believe success to be is is quite a powerful thing, but it's really hard because you are constantly faced by people challenging you about whether you're doing well. Mm. Um, and only really you can know if you're doing well. Um, but other people's version of what you doing well looks like <laughs> may not match. And so so th- this comes back to all this, what we call inner work, where you're doing all this work so that you aren't getting that getting your self-esteem and your self-belief from the external, from people outside, so that you're like, no, actually, I'm really happy with what I'm doing. Um, I know whose opinions I really need and appreciate. And the rest of it, I'm just going to be like, hey, man, that's, you know, that's the way you're thinking. That's the way I'm thinking. Mm, I I wish that I could have a reminder of that while I'm scrolling through social media, just just permanently like, warning, this is not real, this is not what you want in your life. Often I have this thing where I'm like, well, I'm not a Radio 1 DJ, and I'm you know, <laughs> nearly 30, fuck's sake. I've never wanted to be a Radio 1 DJ. I've never put in any work towards being that. I don't know why I feel that competition. But it, it, it's interesting, I was reading something the other day about how we celebrate the individual and we see that we need to have this success on our own as well. Whereas Mm. I think what you were talking about in the book is about how to collaborate with people and especially with Showstopper. It's phenomenal the amount of people on the stage who seem to know exactly what's going on and how how to interact with each other. How do you get that confidence in a group as well? And how do you share, I guess, the, (laughs) I want to say glory, but also the, just the work? Yeah, um, Really, it's just two things, which is time and trust. So a lot of the time we try and collaborate too quickly. And we want, again, because we're defined by success, we're like, okay, come on, Shelley, great, we're going to write a book. Um, it's going to have to come out in the next six months. And, um, oh, you're doing this and that. And, and then we're kind of, again, collaborating in a really kind of aggressive way mm. rather than, you know, allowing something to emerge from our collaboration. So Showstopper, when we started... I mean, it was pretty terrible to begin with. You know, I remember those early shows. The thing that wasn't terrible was our commitment to it. Right. And um, and our wish to discover if it was possible to improvise a musical the standard of the West End. But it, it took us five years, I think, to get quite good at it. And then another five years to get slightly better at it you know and then another two years you know so I think we won our Olivier award in I can't remember 2015 maybe so what's that seven years ago oh my god um uh, so um so that and so from from beginning to a special award was no I'm, I think I'm doing bad math Shirley I can't remember anyway the point is we were were pretty terrible then we got all right and then we got really good but it was a lot a lot of concentration a lot of focus a lot of spending time together a lot of not being paid a lot of Mm. love so the showstopper is we you know it we we are paid now um but there's a lot of work that went into that that was 100% love and commitment to the idea over 
um, this is going to be a Olivier Award-winning West End show. You know, that mm. was that was in the ether, but it wasn't in our aim. If that makes sense. Right. Right. So. I think it kind of strikes me that it's a bit like that 10,000 hours thing that people say all the time, but often they just say, oh yeah, well, you've got to do 10,000 hours on it. But often you don't know where to start or the practicality of it. And what I like about your book is that you've got the exercises where you can start, even if you don't have someone, you can start on yourself. And even, you know, this is outside of a performance context. This has helped me a lot in my life um, as well. Is there one thing that you'd say has most improved your life through an improv lens oh gosh um well it's really deep (laughs) no it is deep but I mean I love deep stuff um for for me the collaboration thing was really important because I was very much in my sort of schooling was very much like you should all be the prime minister mm, um yep. and which is obviously ridiculous in itself because you're like well how can we all I don't understand even at school I just remember being like how are we all gonna be <laughs> how can we all be world leaders I don't understand and I was head girl of my school and I got sent on a head girls retreat and it was probably the worst weekend of my life where it was everybody who wanted to be the prime minister <laughs> and I just kept sneaking off to the nurse's room to have a nap because they had a bed in it um but anyway that's a side point but but I remember feeling like this pressure that you as an individual need to do something of great recognition Mm. so um, I followed that path for a very long time and I have done things of great individual recognition and um, but a lot of the time I felt really lonely and sad and was right. like I, yeah. I I was like is it okay to not like being individually brilliant mm. <laughs> so um, so actually now I just love doing so I do showstopper I do a lot of like radio for panelly show things um, mm. which I love because it's like a little gang and um I love teaching I just love being in a room with people and mm. seeing what people bring in and oh it's just lovely so so um yeah so I just love collaborating so much and, and it was definitely improv that allowed me to do that mm. um improv also weirdly despite showstopper being you know a very high level show where we do you know we have to be good at what we're doing so uh, this is not me saying I'm not good at uh, I'm very good at improvising musical theatre but you wouldn't believe, guys, it's quite niche. Uh, <laughs> not a lot of people. The phone doesn't ring a lot for that. Um, so, <laughs> so, um, but it meant that um, it allowed me to be okay with not being good at other things, weirdly. Mm. Um, so going like, actually, I'm really good at this aspect of Showstopper, but we need... So, for example, when Ali James joined the group, she's an amazing choreographer dancer she's comes from that background mm. and she just brought that in I will never be able to dance like Ali James like I can move a bit like you know I could get away in a pantomime that's about it but she's amazing and she and um and so it's like just being okay with being as good as you can be at the thing rather than I must be the best so that shift mm-hmm. from the best to being as good as you can be I also really when we moved to Edinburgh I joined a capoeira group um because I've always loved the idea of capoeira even though I'm really not sporty I'm not flexible I'm not good at sporty stuff generally it's just not been my thing and I love this group because they're so welcoming and lovely and and they're like you can come and you can become the best caparista in the world if you want but you can also just come because you want to do a bit of exercise (laughs) and I really like that as well so so I'm probably one of the least skilled people in the room but there's no feeling of oh dear 
she's back. It's more like, hey, here comes the least skilled person in the room. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like joy in everybody's ability rather than a feeling of you, uh, kind of karate kids, be the best, will you? You know, it's like a be okay, you'll do, you know. Uh, wow, yeah. it's a, there's a big um, burden that kind of education maybe puts on us that we mm. have to like excel at everything, all of the subjects, all of the things. And it's just, you're right. The more that you realize what you don't, A, what you're not good at, what you also just don't like doing. For a long time, I was just like, I have to do this because it seems like the right thing to do or seems like a good thing to do. Other people are doing it. But actually, the more I'm like, no, I just I don't like doing that thing. That's fine. I'm I'm interested in what what capo what is it? What capo- capoeira? Yeah, it's what is a it? Brazilian martial art. <laughs> uh, and um, actually, um, my friend Javier Harquin, he's a improvising comedian slash card ninja. Um, he uh, said, trust Judah, pick the most improvised. Uh, martial art because it's really about playing and it's about being together and noticing what the other person's doing and they often talk about it being a conversation between the two of you so it's not like it's not like karate or any of those martial arts where it feels much more about you know kick person um, hit them in the face apologies to anyone who does karate who's like that's not what karate is uh, <laughs> I have watched Cobra Kai though so um <laughs> But the, yeah, so it's really, there's a really lovely playfulness to it. That's good to know that there's other things beyond improv that you can find that sort of environment or encouraging environment as well. Because yeah. especially in, I don't know, I don't live in London anymore and there's not a huge offering in terms of like improv classes and things like that. So maybe it's just finding that shared community in a place. Yeah, it really is because um, it's all about how the teacher brings the people together in the class particularly you know if there's a leader you know so so much of my learning from Sunday assembly as well as teaching is about how you hold the space to use mm. those kind of terms but also you know to not use those terms literally how are you making people feel in the room like mm. are you making people feel scared you know so there's there's an alternative um, universe where the capoeira class is come in why haven't you done push-ups all week why are you not stronger why have you forgotten that move rather than do you remember this no okay like I just really like the teacher just goes um you know we're going to do this now you do it as much as you can I'm Mm. I don't know your body so you do what you can Mm. um and so there's a real sense of um kind of responsibility on you Mm. because that is another thing is we have to take responsibility for our own lives so it's very easy to get into a place where like, oh, I'm just not very good at cabalware. I'm not very good at boo. Whereas it's like, well, either get out of the room because it's you're not good at it and you're never going to be good at it, <laughs> or make a you know take do this push ups, do some exercises, do a YouTube video, you know, do some work. So so it's also about yeah, when are we taking responsibility for ourselves? And that's the same in improv, you know. So if you go to an improv group you might you might sometimes find oh gosh those people are really good and they're really fast and I can't get in Mm. um are those people being cruel or are you allowing are you sort of allowing them to intimidate you just through their brilliance because we can't we can't expect other people to stop being brilliant so that we can get in if that makes Mm. sense that's an interesting negotiation yeah also um, what you're saying about energy in the room you talk about that in a really interesting way in the book and it's interesting in terms of like hosting zoom meetings who is holding that energy as, yes. as a kind of teacher uh and it's made me think about I do a bit of teaching now um but actually 
in in the improv classes I was thinking about this recently the ones that you did when I went in 2016 there was a moment where you as a teacher held the energy in such a way that it's gonna really stick with me someone had like and this happens often I've done a bit of improv outside of the improv your life groups and people have a tendency to like want to do stuff that's just weird when they're really new to it and they like maybe just want to seem different and that can often be uncomfortable and there was like a scene that was definitely leading towards something that was uncomfortable something to do with maybe anorexia maybe something like that and you shut it down in like the nicest way everyone was starting to get a bit uncomfortable and you were like oh well we're not going to continue with this because uh and this is why we don't do these things but not in any sort of blamey or judgy way and I think that being able to hold a space and give off that sort of energy that's still encouraging even when you have to draw a line I think that's really that's something that we all should hopefully develop in terms of our interactions with colleagues and all sorts of things you know there's sometimes people do things in our lives that we think oh I wish you weren't saying those things but we're too scared to we think that it will be an altercation rather than oh I can stop this in a gentle way which Mm. I I just think that's really powerful and it's really really stuck with me well well I'm glad first of all that I did that so well um (laughs) but also but you know just to, to kind of give a framing to that for people who were like, oh, I wouldn't know how to do that. The only way I learned doing that was getting it wrong a few times, you know, so mm-hmm. have it, because exactly as you say, there's always somebody who's a bit nervous in a new class and they say something that, to be honest, they're probably not even happy they said. I've, mm-hmm. I've very rarely, but it has happened, but it's very rare that I've had someone in a class say something really offensive or disgusting and be like, why can't I say that? they are like oh my gosh I can't believe I said that actually and they're so glad that I've stopped the scene because they're like I felt like I couldn't because they don't know that you know in an improv just I just want to say this on your podcast if you're ever in an improv scene and it's horrible you can leave the scene like you can just say excuse me I have to leave goodbye and it's done (laughs) like you're gone you're you know but so often we get stuck and be like oh I have to figure this out no if something's really awful leave the scene I talk about that in my book quite a lot if something's Mm. really not good leave the scene get out of the room get out of the space um but but you know I remember a class where a guy um started doing some weird anal sex thing with somebody he didn't know and I stopped it and he was very confrontational about it and I didn't quite know how to have that conversation and it did become Mm. awkward in the room because I sort of not backed down but was a bit I was like okay well you know we'll move on because I had only just started teaching Mm. and then the person sent me a message saying I think it's terrible that you stop that scene (gasps) Uh, so so well this is the thing so now you know I would really know how to deal with that Mm. Um, not to say I'm sure things still crop up um, it will crop up over time um, but I just want to reassure people that it does take time and you will make mistakes and it's about going okay right so what went wrong in that why mm. why was I being awkward it's because I didn't want that guy to not like me well actually in that moment I don't need him to like me what I need is him to understand why what he's done um, is harmful yeah you know but also I don't want to make him feel bad because we're in a space where we've sort of said be free follow your obvious follow your ideas some people's obvious needs a bit of work (laughs) like you know some of us you know and for ourselves as well I'm sure we've all said something at some point in a conversation where we've gone why did I say that or okay that was too far you know so it's all Mm. part of that but if we can create a really good space again that's why I love improv when it's really well taught where people can find that edge and can sort of think about why they want to say things because at the end of the day 
if I'd wanted to do an anal sex scene with, say, Ruth Bratt in Showstopper, who's been in the show as long as me, who I know through, like, you know, osmosis, it would be fine because she, <laughs> we've got 17 years of trust between us. It's... However, if you're in a new class where you've never met someone before, I would really recommend the first thing you do isn't bend them over and try and have anal sex <laughs> with them, right? So <laughs> it's obvious when you say it out loud like that. And mm. um, but, but this idea of trust is really precious, actually. And um, I think we don't realise actually how important it is. Yeah, and also understanding context. That sounds like a one of the main lessons from that. Yeah, absolutely. Context and um, and relationships. What what's what's the reason? Well, it's the context, of course, but the yeah, just the relationship with people. I think we're I think we're quite lonely, you know, in in life. A lot of us, mm-hmm. um, and so we're kind of desperate to connect with people really quickly, so that we don't feel alone. But actually, if we take time, we'll get much stronger connections you might have fewer connections but you'll have stronger ones so if you can only count your friends on one hand that's a great group of friends you know if you've got if you're counting your Facebook friends as your real friends you may be in trouble my gosh I that took me such a long time to learn when uh the company that so Pippa did a bit of taught a kind of corporate thing which I hear are horrible experiences and I'm not sure if it was a great one but um the company's values were like everyone is friends at work and I was very young at this time I was like 22 23 and I was like oh cool that's really nice it turns out that just because the company writes it in their charter doesn't mean that everyone is your friend it took me a long time to realize that well yeah and it's also about um that it's quite a sinister thing to say to, to mm. sort of, you know, to say everyone here, it's like if you went to school, you know, when you first went to school and everyone here is your friend, we all know that's not true. Like this, you know, <laughs> that's mental. And then, uh, and to say it, it's really like, um, yes, yeah, quite sinister, you know, that we're all going to be friends here. It kind of says you can't ever challenge anything that's happening because we're your friends. Mm. It's like that blurring of, of uh, businesses where it's like, I, I did some work at a large corporation, let's say, and uh, they, <laughs> offer breakfast and lunch and dinner there's loads of sweets and treats and it's really cool but also it's like so I could get up at six come to work start working have breakfast carry on working have lunch carry on working I might as well stay for dinner and basically never leaving work so Mm -hmm. so my work-life balance is completely completely off and it's reminded me a bit of did you watch Pinocchio the film Mm. You know, when the kids go to the Donkey Island and it's got all of these wonderful toys and cigars and they're all smoking cigars yeah. and drinking beer and, and then they turn into donkeys and they're turned into workhorses. Yeah. For me, that's the first thing, that first image that came in my head. <laughs> I was like, this is not good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was reading another book recently where someone wanted to have everything and then they were turned into a donkey. And oh. it's a similar thing, isn't it? You follow the promise and actually you're set to work yeah that really rings true for my experience of that job uh do you have any um funny stories of corporate teaching because I hear it's probably I presume it's a different kind of space it's a different space Um, I I have had lots of really good corporate um, experiences I try not to do too much corporate work because it really drains me the, Mm. the reason for that is not necessarily the companies but rather that people when forced to do a workshop, are a lot hard work, right? Mm. So I'd much rather teach people who were like, 
I've heard improv's great. I'm going to come to this course because you're already bringing some anxiety and stuff, even when you've signed up to it, right? Mm-hmm. So there's already stuff I'm having to work with and hold, which I find a wonderful challenge. But to be put into a space where people don't really want to be there is just really hard work and quite soul destroying because I really believe improv is so helpful and so wonderful mm-hmm. and such a great gift. I just hate that people are receiving it in a way that's like, oh God. I should be answering those emails, but I've got to do this stupid exercise with this stupid <laughs> woman. I don't want to spend any time with her. Uh, and you can feel it when that happens. Uh, but like I say, this doesn't always happen. But once I did do these um, workshops with my friend Luke Sorber, who's a really wonderful improviser and teacher. And uh, we did these workshops for this, um, it was like a design company or something. Um, but they were it was across the UK and it started in Leeds and then maybe it was Birmingham and then it was London. And you could feel the friendliness getting less and less. So when we were in Leeds, they were just so welcoming and loving. And um, they were like, we'd like a cup of tea and looked after us. And and after every exercise, we're like, oh, wow, it's really interesting because they were just really invested in it. And then we got to Birmingham and they were a bit more like, okay, yeah, so we've got an hour. So for that hour, they were very committed. But, you know, then it was like, baff, back to work, goodbye, Mm. which is fine. Got to London uh, and everybody was on their phone. And everybody was um, not looking, not joining in. No one would volunteer for anything. And uh, I couldn't help but feel it was to do with the geography. Um, uh, And to just have to have people on their phone while you're talking to them is the most, I think, the most disrespectful thing that a grown up can do. Yeah. Because you're a grown, you know, so a teenager will do that because they're testing your buttons, you know, pushing Mm. your buttons. But for a grown up to make that decision is really depressing because mm. you go, wow, you know what you're doing. And it just makes me sad because I, I at the end of the day, I get paid regardless. So mm. there's a bit of me also is like, um, I don't really mind if you leave. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I can just stand here and talk about it. But I know that you could get so much out of it if you just joined in. So, um, Has that experience of going from Leeds to Birmingham to London had any impact on why you've now moved to Edinburgh? <laughs> <laughs> I went further north than Leeds. Um, <laughs> just for people to be friendlier. We were really, no, no, we just wanted to be, we just had enough of the London. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to be in a city that we loved and we love Edinburgh and obviously spent lots of time here from the festival. So I've mm-hmm. been at the festival every year since 2005. So it feels like home away from home. We feel so settled here. It's really, yeah, it's really pretty and nice. That's so nice. Um, or oh, can I ask, have you had any messages or stories about people who've read the book or gone on your courses who are not performers, who have improv their lives? Oh, yeah. Let me read. Can I read you an email? I have permission from the stage to read her email or quote her email because um, it was so funny. I just finished a course and when it finished, often the week after I feel a bit sad because... Mm. um because it's finished you know as in not sad like oh I miss those guys so much in my life <laughs> um but more um that I notice a week later oh I've you know I haven't got anything to do on this particular night and that night I normally get a certain amount of delicious adrenaline from it or something mm. so I was feeling a bit down and then I got this email from this wonderful lady called Jackie who just said I would love to write a testimonial It's taken this long for things to settle and for me to begin to know what to write about something which was so deeply felt and experienced. I'm genuinely sad the course ended. I feel different since I came to your course and had a go at improv with you and your lovely group. 
I like to immerse myself in a subject. So whilst learning, I got your book and the audio of your book and was reading and listening those as we went, which deepened my understanding of what we were doing and helped me to keep hold of it. I am noticing so much in myself. I'm braver since the course. I notice that I have tried proposing things and saying things that feel a bit risky, i.e. I'm vulnerable to getting a no or to people thinking a certain way about me. And I have done it anyway, saying yes to putting myself out there a bit more. I am noticing a pattern of people saying to me that they like my candidness, my openness and authenticity. And they have for a while, but I batted it off. And so I will continue this. I am noticing when I yes and and when I yes but and I find myself correcting in the moment to saying yes and. I am still working on my who, what, where and that feels very significant right now and I feel lighter, less planned about what I will do and say next and more in the moment. It's gorgeous. I could go on and on. Thank you so much. Beautiful. That's so good. Isn't it? I was like, like, oh God, Jackie. So I sent her an email back saying, thank you Jackie, I needed that email today. I think that... The, the word that she said was brave and I think it really does make you brave in whatever context at the time when I did the course I know that I was having a massive slump I was at this job that I didn't want to do and even within that I could feel myself trying to do new things and trying to say yes and being more relaxed and less tense about what my colleagues thought of me and trying to be less fearful yeah I really do think that yeah everyone would benefit from some improv but <laughs> People maybe are a bit cautious when they should be yes anding. Yes, I think I can. I totally understand people's um, cautiousness. Is that a word? Um, but uh, but I would so encourage anyone who's just even like, feels a tiny little tickle to do it. You can do, and you can. It's often like drop in classes. I do a drop in on once a month on a Saturday, second Saturday, I think it is, or third Saturday of the month. Um, so you can just come and have a go for two hours, and it's on Zoom, so you can literally leave by pressing leave meeting. <laughs> like it's really no um, commitment. Um, so there's lots of places you can go and just try it out, or go and watch mm. a show. Like literally, Google improv wherever you live. And you will find something is either happening in your town or in the next town because there's so many little tiny groups all over the place who would just be so happy to see you. So go and see it and see if you can, you know, if you read my book, a lot of people said they read my book and then went and watched the show and then they could see the moments when the things that I'd said in the book were happening. And mm-hmm. it felt like, oh, I can, I see what the philosophy is as I'm watching it so so even just on that level you know don't don't jump into taking a class if that feels too much go and watch the show see what happens yeah like it's really helpful working out kind of the mechanics of not just a performance it's not just a performance that's what you are kind of saying is that this is just your life you improv every day yeah yeah absolutely I mean this conversation we're having right now is improv you know we are literally going uh, you're saying I would like your knowledge about your book uh, and and I've said yes so and uh, I'm adding content to your podcast and so we're just creating what is being said in this moment from what we know exactly I, the other day I was in an interview and I was thinking I don't know the answer to this question I'm making this up completely on the spot you're absolutely right it's so much more than just a performance and also just genuinely there's some really life questioning in a useful way Uh, parts of the book like what you're saying about the who where what what am I doing like what am I doing now what do I want to be doing and being really honest with yourself I think that you're really really good at at working people through that in the book I love it I'm I'm certainly I think it would be useful at any point of your life but I'm feeling right now going back through it quite useful to do the exercises and think what am I doing especially after the pandemic as well 
Yeah, that's great. I love hearing that. And I get messages from people saying, oh, I'm doing the exercises or I found this bit really helpful. And it's just so nice to know that, you know, you write a book and you hope someone's going to read it. Mm. Um, but you don't know if anyone's going to actually really benefit from it because you you hope that, you know, you put it out in the world because that's what you want. But you can't, you've got no control over that. Um, so it's amazing to have people say, actually, no, I really, it's really helped. And of course, also, it takes time for these things to get in, get embedded. So it's amazing that you've got in touch with me. So you said you did the course in when, 2016. Yeah. So that was six years ago, you know. So that's amazing. So, so that actually it's taken six years for you to get to a point where you're like, oh, I can really see how that's helped me. Um, yeah. it's, that's great. So, you know, so that's really great for me and also great for my patients because, <laughs> you know, I write all about these things, but, you know, I'm constantly having to revisit them. And I do say right at the end of the book, this work is constant. So keep revisiting it. We don't, we never finish. You know, we can always change something. Um, so it's great for me to be reminded, to be patient, that, um, <laughs> that people might not find the benefits for a few years. Even in fact, I remember teaching an Improv Your Life course and there was a guy on it and he was a bit reticent throughout the course. So again, you know, so even someone who has paid to come on the course can come with a bit of cynicism. Mm. And he was a little bit cynical throughout the course, but uh, again, I'm used to that, so it's fine. But I was sort of disappointed that I hadn't managed to communicate to him what I was what I really believe about improv mm. um, and uh, but yeah what happened was six months later I got an email from him saying oh, I just wanted to say that um I when I left your course I didn't really think it made any sense but now I, I've gone through this and this and I really have used everything and it's made complete sense to me now so I just wanted to say thank you so things can take a, a while to, to drop mm. and that's that's okay that's incredible I mean it's hard when you've got a feedback loop of like every couple of seconds on stage compared to a book that's like maybe yeah. or like a, a class that's like maybe six years. Yeah. <laughs> that's slow, but it's no less valuable by any means. Um, Great. Pippa, uh, if people want to follow you, I'm assuming most people are already following you on social media, but do you want to share your Twitter? Surely everyone is following me on social <laughs> media. My Twitter is at I am Pippa Evans and my Instagram is at I am Pippa Evans and my website is pippaevans.com. Um, and you can also sign up for, I think I'm on your mailing list as well. So you Oh yeah, I've got a mailing me. list and you'll be glad to know I'm very bad at sending things out. So you get an email about <laughs> six times a year. Which is perfect amount of time. You don't yes. want b&q levels of spamming um thank you so much for joining us if you want to hear more about the alternative book club you can find us at alt book club on instagram facebook you can find out all about our events and listen to other podcast episodes thank you so much to you for listening and goodbye goodbye